Local voices, local conversations. You're listening to NapaBroadcasting.com. Welcome back to NapaBroadcasting.com. When we last spoke with St. Helena's still relatively new city manager, Jennifer Phillips, we talked about the broad issues of St. Helena's place in the valley, of tourism, of St. Helena's long history of almost hostility to visitors, and a long series of decisions that have shaped St. Helena's fate today. But today the conversation is far more specific and about St. Helena's very economic sustainability with $1.9 million having been paid back to FEMA, with money having to go to flood control, with sources of revenue drying up, Jennifer Phillips has a series of problems that she could only have imagined when she first took the job in St. Helena. It is my pleasure to welcome St. Helena City Manager Jennifer Phillips back to NapaBroadcasting.com. Jennifer, thanks so much for being with us. Oh, my pleasure. Happy to be back. Thank you for asking me. Great to have you here. When you first took this job, did you have any sense at all of the depth of the economic sustainability problems that you're facing today? You know, I don't know if I had a, had a clear, um, true understanding of the depth. I certainly did my homework. Um, you know, when I interviewed for the position, I did a lot of research, watched council meetings, looked at budgets. But really, from the outside, it's oftentimes it's difficult to tell what's really happening internally. Um, but generally, small cities struggle. You know, the state has taken away a tremendous amount of revenue from cities um, over the last two decades. And bigger cities, you know, really have, although they struggle at times too, have more options. Um, and are able to handle some of their financial challenges more effectively. Small cities um, just generally have some challenges. And so I, I, it, I would have to say that I, I, wouldn't, I didn't expect things to be rosy and there to be a bucket full of money um, ready to spend and, and do a lot of fun things. I think small cities just, just generally have financial challenges. When you look around the rest of the valley and look at the economic condition of Calistoga, the economic situation in Napa, and even in Calistoga where things are looking up and there's, I think, 1,400 hotel rooms that are at least approved at this point, talk about how it feels to be in the one place in the valley that is struggling this way. You know, those are those are decisions that councils over the years um, have made, and communities have have made with their councils or through whatever you know processes of, of public voting and referendums, and and you know how the public process works. And Yonville and Calistoga um, councils and communities have made different decisions than St. Helena, and so I respect the fact that St. Helena is. Um, you know, really values its small town character. It values its open space. It it values who it's who it is in its history. Um, the question is, how do we continue to deliver services that I believe this community really values um, with the limited revenues that we have? And so, I think the same decisions that um, Calistoga faced. I mean, three, four, five years ago, Calistoga had to make draconian cuts, mm-hmm. far more um, difficult cuts than we're having to look at this year. Um, they made certain decisions, and, and Yonville as well made certain decisions, and I think that this is one of those crossroads in, in the history of St. Helena where we need to make some decisions about our revenues and about um, the corresponding expenditures. How bad is the situation economically right now? Where does St. Helena stand? Run us through the numbers. 
Well, so basically, um, if you look at the expenditures as we presented, and so we presented a relatively status quo budget on May 11th to the council, and the only increases were really required increases um, for uh, basic costs of services, and we put some increases in with regards to the council's goal of securing the city's financial future. Other than that, we really tried to keep a status quo budget, and and the budget was a million dollars higher than the revenue that's coming in. And so, you know, can, can we find the million? Yes, that's what we've been working on the last couple of, of weeks. It's very difficult and it's very painful, but we need to find a million dollars in cuts and expenditures because there isn't an opportunity in 1516 to bring any revenue in. You can't just build a budget on pretend revenue or hopeful revenue. You have to build it and present it and adopt a budget that's based on real revenue. And so once we do that, then we, we do have a balanced budget. I think the challenge is we don't have any additional revenue for some of the um, uh, staffing shortages that we have sort of generally in, in, in the city. Um, we still have some areas that, that really are struggling in our service delivery and, and here at City Hall. Um, we can't fix any, really, any major roads. We're not able to upgrade our parks. Our IT equipment is, um, there's no replacement plan. It's relatively outdated. Our website is outdated. Um, and, and we don't have a vehicle replacement system for any of our equipment or our vehicles. And so, you know, generally cities put money aside. And so when big capital expenditures come about, they've been putting money aside every year. And then they have the money to do that capital expenditure. And, and St. Helena doesn't have that. And so even if we're able to come up with a balanced budget. Much of it, unfortunately, will be with one-time cuts. These are ongoing costs, and I'm desperately trying to save services. Um, And so some of the cuts, many of them are one-time cuts. At some point, uh, we'll most likely need to come back in in service levels or in staffing. Um, But really, there isn't the revenue to be able to do many of the things that I think the citizenry would like us to do and that as a government agency we're obligated to do. So it's, I would say it's relatively serious. Um, it, it can't go on like this. It's a structural deficit. Um, decisions have to be made. And, and I think this year and next year are going to be some critical years to make those really difficult decisions. As a structural deficit, this is a problem that it clearly is not going to go away for a couple of years, that even if any revenue solutions were to be found or to put out there on the table, I assume they would take some time to put in place and some time before that revenue began to be generated. Right, and that's the challenge is, you know, we're, we're not a business where we can create a new product, get that product out in the street, and suddenly you have an increase in sales. Any kind of revenue enhancements, most of them have to go to the voters. For example, the council talked about a real property transfer tax. That wouldn't go to the voters until November 2016, and at the soonest, really, could be put in place in January of 2017. And, and so those are the types of things that, yes, they take time if potentially you want to look at more hotels. Um, It's years. It's years to have somebody come in, purchase a property, design a hotel, build a hotel, and have, you know, the occupants that will begin to pay the TOT. So you're absolutely right. That's really the challenge that we're facing. There is no immediate short-term solution for the revenue shortfalls that we're having, hence the reason to have to reduce our costs. How much of this is triggered by, or at least the immediate crisis aspect of it, precipitated by the $1.9 million that had to be paid back to FEMA? 
it, it certainly is, has, is impacting, but again, that was money that was sitting in a savings account and the unassigned general fund reserve. And so if we had that money now, we could use a portion of that to basically make up the difference and not have to cut so deep. But that's the problem. It, it's still a structural deficit. You're still spending more than you're bringing in. And so if we had it, it would certainly help. It would buy us some time as we identify additional revenues, if that's what the community and the council would like to do. But it doesn't solve the ongoing structural deficit of the fact that we have our expenses exceed our revenues. Before we get into some of these cuts and some of these areas, I want to talk on the positive side and some of the areas where additional revenues might be able to be generated. You mentioned one thing, of course, that, that a lot of people have heard about, which is the possibility of a property transfer tax. What else is being talked about in terms of revenue generators? So one of the things is the councils um, asked me to, and, and I put into the budget to look at our fee schedules. And so that's building, planning, public works fees. So anytime anyone comes in and, and has any kind of a project, um, those are the fees they pay for the services that, that are provided to them. And so we'll be looking at those to make sure that we're properly pr um, um, charging the fees and that they're at the cost recovery level that the council would like them to be at. And what I mean by that is some communities see fees as a, as a way of generating um, revenue or they can also inhibit people or discourage people from developing in your community. Some communities go for full cost recovery because they believe that private development should fully pay for itself. Other communities believe that it should be subsidized because it generates economic vitality. And, and that's a policy decision. And so we want to bring forward what our cost is to deliver those services and then look at what kind of cost recovery the council would like to, to see for this community. So we're certainly looking at that. Um, water and wastewater, which are not part of the general fund and not part of the $1 million that we have to find in cuts, both of those um, are enterprise funds, which means they're supposed to be um, basically run by a business, and the, the rates are supposed to cover all the costs associated with running both of those businesses. And so we're going to look at both water and wastewater to make sure that we have not only adequate operating revenue, but also adequate money to do the capital improvements to keep our, both of these systems are quite old, and we have an obligation to keep these systems up and running and, and modern, and so we want to be sure that we have the adequate re uh, revenue and, and funds to be able to do that. Um, we're also going to provide information to the council on a short-term sales tax measure. Again, this is just information, um, and so they'll be looking at that at May 11th. Um, and I'm also um, looking at selling or leasing some of the city-owned property, which, again, is a short-term, if you sell it, it's a short-term solution, but it does put some, some cash back into the general fund. Um, or if you lease it, then that would be, if you did a very long-term lease, that would be additional revenue into, into the city. Wh which property specifically? Um, there's a couple different properties, so um, uh, potentially the Carnegie Building, um, there's some property over um, by the railroad, um, I'm trying to remember the list, I believe City Hall might be on that list, but we have nowhere to go, <laughs> <laughs> hard, to, hard to sell us if we have nowhere to move to, um, and uh, the Adams Street property is on the list. What might be done with the Adams Street property as a way to generate revenue? Has that been discussed? It hasn't been discussed for um, a, a while. The challenge is, you know, there was talk of having a city hall complex. There was talk of a community center. Um, but quite frankly, at this point, the city doesn't have the revenue to be able to um, e even begin some type of process or project to look at a community center or to look at a city hall and a police station. 
Um, and if we don't get our general fund reserves um, up higher past the 20% and really um, solidify our financial position, it's going to be difficult for us to, to float bonds and to build buildings and get a reasonable interest rate. So that's what the community needs to remember, too, that, that, that the sound financial condition of the city, um, if, if we don't have that, then we pay more in interest rates when we borrow, which then again costs the community more. And so our, our financial stability is not just about the day-to-day, it's also about the future and our ability to borrow. Let's talk a little bit about the cut side, and, and that's been certainly the subject of everybody's concern in some of the areas where cuts might happen. One of the things that we talked about the last time you and I had a conversation was the possibility of bringing on, of adding staff, particularly with respect to economic development. I understand that's gone by the way, so that idea has gone by the wayside, at least for now. That's correct. It's, it's um, postponing, um, filling the economic vitality director position um, is one of the cuts. And that's unfortunate. I mean, again, following, you know, the, the, city's, the city council's goals of, of securing the city's financial future, they put a list of six strategic objectives together, and, and really economic development and economic vitality um, should, if, if you get someone who's exceptional, really should pay for itself as you're, as you're vitalizing, um, you know, our, our economic base. And and so, you know, it, it's choices now. We're getting down to choices, and that is a vacant position. And so um, we won't fill it for fifteen, sixteen. Are there other vacant positions that won't be filled? No, there, there, I don't have any vacant positions at this time. Are there salary cuts that might have to be enacted for existing city staff? One of the things that will be um, on, the, on the list um, is um, basically unpaid furloughs during the, during the winter holidays. And so that means that, that City Hall is closed for a certain number of days and staff is, um, gets that time off, but it's unpaid. And that is a salary reduction for all city staff except safety. But that is, that is a, that's a labor issue. And so that, if, if that's something that the council is interested, we would have to um, negotiate that with our labor groups. One of the other issues that we've heard a lot about lately is the library and cuts that might have to be made there. Talk a little bit about that, Jennifer. So the library um, has a general fund um, request for this year of $1.1 million. Um, I understand that this is, you know, a, a, a beloved library. It's an important service in our community. Um, it actually serves far more than just St. Helena. Um, Calistoga has a very small library, and so we really feel that in many ways we serve um, a large portion of Up Valley, and so we, we feel that the services that are provided in the library are quite critical to many people in our community. But a $1.1 million general fund budget is really unsustainable at this point. Um, and so I have asked for $300,000 in cuts, um, and so I've been working with the library director to identify how we would achieve that. We had a meeting with the library board, and we did present some options. And so we're looking at reducing some part-time staff and reducing some hours. Libraries open 57 hours a week, seven days a week. And, and that's pretty unusual nowadays. When you look around at library hours, most libraries have been cut quite substantially. And so um, we would look at, at closing on Sundays um, and, and backfilling some of those cuts with some, some um, trust monies that have been um, requested to the, to the library. What about parks and recreation? Um, there's no cuts in, in parks and recreation that are being recommended other than um, I am recommending closure of the teen center, um, which is very, very difficult. Um, it's, it's, 
an important um, place for our teens, important um, support services and education and um, life skills are, are provided to teens there. But what it does is it opens up the opportunity, one, to bring those teen services into the library. We have limited teen programming in the library right now, um, but it would open up that parcel for sale or lease. What's happening with regard to looking at outsourcing parts of the police department? Um, so we're, we are looking at that. You know, it, it, what, sometimes people think that that's a really easy solution, just bringing two organizations together. Um, it's actually fairly complicated, and the challenge that we're having for 15-16 is this is probably our most difficult year, and, and we don't have the money to, to make the investment that often mergers require. Mm -hmm. So sometimes you have to purchase different equipment. Sometimes there's upfront costs. And so that's the case when you look at the police department and merging with either Calistoga or bringing on Napa County uh, sheriffs, there's, there's substantial upfront costs that can occur with those types of service changes. And, and that's the money we just don't have. We can't draw from reserves and we don't have the revenue to be able to cover that. And so um, they, they may be um, options that the council would like us to continue to look at um, this coming year or in future years. Um, but, but those are, um, they're not as simple as just having somebody come in and provide police services for us. If there were to be a merger with the Sheriff's Department, with the county, would the county perhaps be willing to, to loan St. Helena or provide some of that upfront money? Um, the, the Sheriff's Department actually has not provided a proposal to us. And so um, it's, um, it's based on sort of basic information and, and sort of our understanding of the costs of, of the sheriff's department. So I don't have any specific information, and we haven't had negotiations with the sheriff's office. What is the status of any cuts in public works at this point? Um, public works was cut very heavily during um, the recession, and so um, I'm not recommending cuts in public works at this time. Are the cuts that have been laid out thus far enough to cover uh, what the shortfall appears to be? I'm pretty darn close. <laughs> <laughs> I'm writing my staff report, um, and I, I think we are very close. Um, we also looked at the 1415 budget to identify if there's anything um, that we don't need to do um, that we could save money on and, and have that carry over for 1516. We also rescrubbed our numbers that we presented to council for 1516 and we looked at our revenues um, and, and I think we're really close and I, I do by law need to present a balanced budget and the council does need to adopt a balanced budget by June 30th and so um, I think we're I think I think I'll, I'll be there. I know I'll be there. Where does this put the city of St. Helena with respect to any potential emergencies that might arise things like earthquakes or floods or whatever it might be? You know, it was interesting. Um, we had the Napa earthquake when my first month here, um, and, and I have to tell you, there's a tremendously dedicated group of individuals that, that work for this city, and that happened at the wee hours of the morning, and um, I had texts and phone calls at 4 or 4.30 in the morning that the crews, fire, police, and public works were already here um, checking for damage, checking to make sure everything was all right. And so um, are, do we have everything we need to be fully prepared? Certainly, um, you know, that's an area we can continue to work on, and it's, it's one of the areas I hope the grant manager can find some grants for us from Homeland Security. Um, but I have a lot of confidence in the team that we have here. Um, we have an EOC. 
I've been through multiple major incidents. I've been through fires. Um, I've been through a shooting. I've been through Occupy. Um, I uh, experienced a train crash, a plane crash. Um, so I've, uh, I'm actually very confident in my ability to be um, in charge of a, a director of an EOC in the event of, of a major incident. Are there areas that, that are part of the cuts that we haven't touched on, areas that maybe we've neglected in this conversation that you want to bring people up to date on? Um, the only other direction that was given to me on the May 11th was to take a look at the city attorney budget and see if I was able to, to carve a little bit of money out of that budget. The challenge in that, and I'm, I'm happy to do that, and it is part of the package, um, is that it's really demand-driven. And so um, we certainly are very careful. We, we try very hard to, to only seek advice and assistance when we need it. Um, we try to do as much in-house work as we can and, and ultimately give as complete a package for the city attorney to review to keep our costs down. But, you know, if we're sued or there's, there's legal issues, um, that's a demand-driven service. And so um, I told the council that, you know, I can come back mid-year and we can re-review as we did this year. In fourteen fifteen. I did have to increase attorneys' um, costs and settlement costs because of lawsuits. So um, that's really, um, you, you estimate the best that you can and you make adjustments through the year. I want to talk about the other side of this. We've been talking about specific numbers and balancing the budget is really about shaving those numbers and, and getting to the balanced budget that you talk about both in, in fifteen sixteen and sustainability going forward. The other part of this is a little more abstract, a little touchy-feelier, I suppose some might say, and that is the kind of self-perpetuating nature of this, the perception of the problems that St. Helena faces and the way in which the perception of those problems doesn't help in bringing additional tourism, bringing additional business, and ultimately bringing additional revenue. Talk a little bit about that as you perceive it, Jennifer. Well, again, I think St. Helena's, and, and that was one of the ideas behind the economic development um, director, was I think St. Helena's need to decide who they want to be. Um, you know, it's we, we are in the middle of Napa Valley. We're, we're, we like to consider ourselves the heart of Napa Valley, the downtown, you know, a, a main street of Napa Valley. Um, it, it's not as if we're not in a tourist area. And, and how do we effectively manage the residents that that live here and and support them and provide them with the with the services and the retail that enriches their lives and and makes them feel at home and and that this is their town, but also balance that with the tourists that are coming here, whether St. Helena wants them, markets for them, invites them, welcomes them, um, or tries to turn them away. They're here. And so I think that's really the struggle that, that St. Helena has had over, over the years. And, and that's what I was hoping, you know, in the year ahead. And, and I think that there's some things that we can do to, to continue to foster that conversation is how do we come up with a really healthy balance so that tourists do feel welcome, that, that this is a destination, but that the residents who live here um, and love this community feel like it's still their home. One of the things that has been suggested, and certainly hotels, as you alluded to before, take a long time to come on stream, is really encouraging more Airbnb, more vacation rental, etc. Where, where does the city seem to stand on that at the moment? Well, currently we have a, uh, an ordinance that allows 25 um, short-term rentals. 
And so um, the council last year directed us to come back after a year to give them an update on, on, the, pro- on the program. And so uh, in August or September, staff will be bringing forward that update, and we would look for direction from council and certainly the community. Is this working? Is 25 enough? Is it too many? Should there be more? Is there a creative way? Maybe there's there's a different way to look at, at these short-term rentals. And so that's a conversation we'll be having in late summer. What further conversation has there been in the context of all this with respect to what clearly is the ongoing increase in second homes in St. Helena? And, and how is that tied to some of these broader ish, economic issues that we're talking about? You know, it's... I think that's that's when communities are successful and and they're a place that people want to be. Um, second homes aren't illegal. Um, people love to be here. They they love to be a part of the community, whether it's on a full time basis or a part time basis. And so, um, I think there's a lot of different views of whether that's helpful or hurtful. Um, you know, many second homeowners come in and and they they really patronize their community because they're here however many times a year and, and love being here and enjoy the restaurants and the shopping and, and, and all of that, um, but they're not here, you know, 12 months a year. Um, for, for those who live here, um, some feel that, it, that, that that doesn't bring the vibrancy, it doesn't bring the daily traffic, it doesn't bring, you know, all the, the people and, and the excitement um, that could be here in St. Helena if everyone was a full-time resident. I, I think there's lots of different ways to look at it, and, and, I, and I just think it's, it is who St. Helena is. There's, there's no stopping it. There's no encouraging it. There's no um, um, cutting it back down. It's just, um, it's just part of St. Helena. Are there, as you see it, public policy decisions that the council could make that would result in increased business and in potentially increased sales tax from downtown? You know, again, I, I think that's that's a conversation as part of economic development. You know, the citizenry and, and council policy has said that retail needs to be local serving. Um, we have an ordinance that prohibits formula um, restaurants and retail. Um, sort of what what do those things mean? Because, again, you have conversations from people who say, um, I, I don't have, I live here, and, and I don't believe the retail serves my needs. And I would like to have this, that, or the other. Is that is that a formula store? Is that what kind of a retail is that? What kind of a restaurant is that? And and to me, again, that was that's a conversation I think that the community needs to have to say, you know, how do we serve our population? What does that look like? And what are the right sales tax generators in our community? Um, is it more restaurants? Is it more retail? Is it a different type of retail? Where should that retail be? Is there a better place for the retail? Is there a different type? And and so I can't, I don't know from a policy standpoint, I think it's really, you know, I, I'm just, I, I really feel more community conversation has to happen um, and, and really about the future of, of St. Helena from this, this economic vitality standpoint. So again, that we really can try to meet the, the needs of our residents while still meeting the, the needs of, of the tourists and that they enjoy coming here and feel like there's very very unique experience that brings them here, keeps them here, and, and gets them to return again. Is it your experience in other cities and other situations that, that crises like these, economic crises like these, has the impact of enhancing and increasing that conversation or not? 
I believe that it does. I, I think crisis creates opportunity. And so I think when, when we're not pushed, a business, um, a, a student, a, a person in their career can chunk along um, and, and never really stop and say, is this the best I can be? Is this the best I can do? Is this the right career for me? Is, are we doing the best that we can do? And I think mediocrity then can set in. And, and crisis forces us to do that and to say, really, can we be better? Do we want to be better? Do we want to be different? Is this the right model for us? And so I, I'm a big believer in that. Crisis is hard. Um, it's stressful. It's stressful for, for those going through it. But I think with, with good leadership, um, I really think that, that crisis can create tremendous opportunity. St. Helena City Manager Jennifer Phillips, I thank you so much for spending time with us here on NapaBroadcasting.com. It was my pleasure again. Thank you for the invite. Thank you. You're listening to NapaBroadcasting.com, Napa Valley Radio for the way we live now.